Good evening, everybody. We are here with our Q&A, Session 188, the last final one for this month, October the 28th. We just thank God again for the questions. Thank God the questions all came through. And we're trusting God again for the wisdom, the discernment to answer. Amen. So this evening, before we go to the Q&A, let's look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Once again, we thank you for this whole week, Lord, as we come to the end of the week. We look back. We see your providential hand upon us, Lord. You brought us all through, Father, all of us. Once again, we surrender ourselves, our churches, our homes, our children, all into the hands, especially, Lord, those who are in the ICU battling life. We commit them into thy hands. You are the giver of life. And we speak over them that they shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord and Master that no one will go until they have finished their race and you call them home, Lord. We just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We commit this time into the hands. May even the answers encourage, edify, bring peace into the lives of those who hear. We just thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Pastor, we'll start with uh, question number two. Uh, this is regarding the current events that is happening all around the world. And things uh, are going really bad. So your comments on that. What is happening in the USA, Israel and Iran around and around the world? In the same token, Habakkuk was deeply vexed on account of the inequity, wickedness, destruction and violence in the nation around him. He cried out to God, wondering why God was silent in the midst of such darkness. God responded from in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. Was God trying to calm the heart of his servant, giving him a clue of his plan and the way he was going to bring it to pass? Okay. Let's go to Habakkuk 1.5. Okay. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Okay, now, these are all prophetic scriptures. Like when we look at, look at uh, what's happening, what's happening in the world, especially what's happening in the middle, everything that's happening in the world, even the Russian Ukraine war, all these things are connected with what's happening with the Middle East, prophetically speaking. Okay. Like, uh, many of these leaders even do not know why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. Why they do, no. They know what they are doing, but they don't know why they are mm-hmm. doing it. Because yeah, so many, like God says, I raised a Pharaoh. Pharaoh yes. I raised a Pharaoh. And Pharaoh did not know why his heart was being hardened. <laughs> he hardened, then God hardened, and then it, after everything ma- made him go after Israel, and then God destroyed Egypt off. But we need to realize, I mean, how do we look at everything is God's eyes are only on two entities. Okay? A physical nation called Israel and a spiritual nation called the church. The church is called a holy nation. Okay? It's church. These are the only two. The real church, they'll believe it. The one which is composed of believers all around the world. His eyes are primarily on these entities because he's got a covenant with them both. Mm-hmm. He's got a covenant with Israel. 
it still stands mm. because it was a unilateral covenant made by God. And in the same way, God has got a covenant with the church, all those which, which is made through the blood of his son. When it comes to Abraham, please remember the covenant God made is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not Abraham because Abraham had two sons. And not just Isaac. Isaac had two sons. Mm -hmm. So it's that's why it's very clear about it because the covenant God has made is not with Ishmael. It's not with Esau. It is with Abraham, Isaac, the son Isaac, because Abraham had other sons. Then Isaac had two sons and Israel. So that is what it is important. God's covenant is with Israel. It's Israel. Otherwise you will get confused. Does God have a covenant with all the sons of Abraham? No, he does not have. He has only one covenant that's with Israel, Jacob, who becomes Israel. And then uh, spiritual covenant is made with the spiritual children of Abraham. So there is no replacement theory, okay? Please, because there are a lot of people who pursue that theory that the church has replaced Israel. No church has not replaced Israel. His covenant with Israel is different and his covenant with the church is different. He Once he finishes with the Church, Church, okay, if you go to Romans 11 and 25 and 26, it goes there, okay, you will see. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Okay, that's how. So, what is the fullness of Gentiles? Again, we do not know. What is the number? We do not know. Okay, it is like, if you go to, if I'm right, Genesis 15, 13. Okay, let me just get my numbers. Okay, Genesis 15. Yes, Master. Sir. Yeah. Okay, and uh, um, go to verse 14 also. Iniquity of the Amorites. Yeah, okay, that is what. And also, the, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. In the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Again, we do not. Only God knows. There are sort of a lot of things. Mm. The things is like, you know, when we come to the secret things which belong to God, okay, don't presume and fight over it. Just leave it to God. God is not going to reveal it. God is not going to reveal those secret things. But the revealed things belong to us. Okay, So there is a timeline where a fullness of the Gentiles will come in. And then, but when that comes in, you need to realize, when it comes in, the Gentiles have come in, God will restart his clock with Israel. But when God restarts his clock with Israel, again, remember, a uh, lot of Jews will die. Lord, a lot of them will die. If you go to Zechariah, okay, if you go to Zechariah, okay, chapter 12, okay. Zechariah chapter 12, right? No, no, this, no. Verse 2 onwards, okay? Well, let's read from verse 1 onwards, so it is, like, who is speaking? The burden of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out heaven, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. Okay? Now, this hasn't happened yet. What is happening now is just a precursor. The real one is coming. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's not yet. It will come. Okay? And what will happen is that on that day, 
if you look, go to verse 3, it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Mm-hmm. It will look like yes, Asaph. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember, it will be terrible. It will be terrible because a lot of things will happen to Israel. A lot of people will die because when the when it says all of Israel will be saved, it is actually talking about a remnant. remnant. A, all remnant. Of the remnant. a remnant <clears throat> will happen. Okay, And when that happens, this is what will happen when you come to verse 10. Okay, when God will come, God will step down, okay? <coughs> Did you get it? Yes. Yeah, we're still. I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. First, that is what happens. We are saved by grace. Mm. When the spirit of grace comes, they will start praying. They will start crying. Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Okay, that is when they will accept Jesus as Messiah. Okay. Because even for the Jews, please remember, even for them, that is the only way. There is no other way. <coughs> what was the shadow has to become substance, has to become sinner. And yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Okay? And it talks about the weeping that will take place. There will be great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadar, mourn in the plain, the land shall mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David. So this, the simple question is, is <coughs> whole till words, the end of 13, it's about mourning, mourning, mourning. The question is, why are they mourning like this? The reason is because you see, their mourning is not like our mourning. They have realized that for 4,000 years we have suffered because we rejected Christ. And he was actually our Messiah. We didn't have to go through any of these things. God actually sent him to us. We rejected him. Okay, That salvation was just a uh, hand, uh, hand breadth away. away. It was mm-hmm. so close for them. Okay, so they're mourning. They're mourning. It's not, they're mourning for generations, generations. Okay, they rejected him two thousand years back, and two thousand years later, they will receive him. So this is the way forward for Israel. Mm-hmm. And in the process, if you go to another book, we need to look at this is Jeremiah, and especially Jeremiah thirty. Jeremiah thirty is the yeah, other prophet, prophetic. Uh, chapter about what will happen in the last days. If you look at your heading, you will see it is written, Restoration of Israel. Okay. Now, if you read from verse 1, Genesis, this is... Jeremiah 7, 13. 3, 0, 3, 0, okay. The word, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord. I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they shall possess it. Now, if you look at it, nobody actually really believed this would happen, Mm -hmm. especially after the dispersion. When the Romans destroyed Rome, Jerusalem, they destroyed Jerusalem, left no stone upon stone, slaughtered the Jews and dispersed them to the ends of the world. This is, this happened for like 1900 years ago. Nobody ever thought these prophecies will come to pass. This was written 600 years before this happened. Mm. And after what happened, you know, nobody ever. 
but as they call it in Hebrew, the Aliyah, right? Aliyah. Aliyah. That is the return of the Jews. Mm. Okay, return of the Jews. Okay. Now, one thing we need to understand is that when we are believers, we uh, we are Christians. Okay, we are Christians. We believe in Christ, so we stand in between. We love the Jews because they have a covenant with yes. God, but we love the others because Christ died for them. So we have to be very, very careful where we stand. But we need to realize Israel, that land, the land which is called Canaan, which became Israel because uh, Israel is the name of a people and the people moved to that moved to the land. Before they moved to the land, the land was called Canaan. Once they moved to the land, the land becomes Israel. was given as an everlasting covenant by God to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the thing is that it doesn't matter what government, what UN body, what human opinion says, because the earth belongs to the Lord. Mm. Now, political bodies and all will not accept it, but we have to see it from the spiritual point of view. It was given to them, and it will be theirs forever. In the millennium reign, you will see it is the Jews will get their homeland back. It will be theirs for a thousand years. And Jesus, remember, Jesus will rule from Jerusalem, the throne of David. So this is what we need to understand. But you will, I will cause them. Now, if you see, if you'll see how prophetic, because a lot of things we will understand only in retrospective effect. Now, these are the words the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. Yeah. For thus says the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not peace. Ask now and see whether a man is over in labor with child. So why do I see every man with his hands on his loins like a woman in labor, and all faces turned pale? Okay, alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved, out not of from of it, but from out, out of it. Yes. Okay, so day of Jacob's trouble is coming, that mm-hmm. is the second part of the tribulation period, it will be terrible for Israel. But you also need to realize, this prophecy is true, Israel has never lived from its inception in 1948, May 14, till today, one day in peace. Mm-hmm. Every day they have to live in fear. And the fear factor is increasing only. They will have a false peace of three and a half years when they make the covenant with the, with the Antichrist. They will before be, that, the temple has to be rebuilt. Yeah, the temple will be rebuilt, okay, mm-hmm. and it will be rebuilt, but they will make the, whatever happens over the Antichrist is, he will fool them, they will make, they will have a false peace. And one the reason they will also mourn is because after all this, they made peace with the Antichrist also. That's why they will grieve when they see whom they pierced, okay? So it shall come to pass, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck and burst your bonds, foreigners shall no more enslave. This is talking about what will happen. But if you go to the last words of Jeremiah 30, okay, last words. He says, the fears of the Lord will not return until he has done it, until he has performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will, he says, you will understand all this only in the last days. <laughs> A lot of things are time bound in scripture. And whatever we do, previous generations couldn't understand it. It simply, they could simply couldn't understand it because this was locked up by God. Now we start understanding it because for 75 years Israel has been there and we say Israel's history, not technically speaking, no nation of that size, no nation of that size surrounded by enemies all around should survive. But they have survived and they're still surviving, yes. still surviving. 
okay and they still okay so you know it is miraculous how they it is because it's a unilateral hand of god so but you need to realize when god if you look through church history or rather biblical history whenever god disciplines israel he uses gentile nations when he yes. disciplines us he de- deals with us directly deals with as a father disciplines the son he disciplines us directly with the church he deals with directly but israel he always uses gentile nations okay because if israel it is a see israel is a physical national entity the church is not so much a physical national entity it is a spiritual so he god deals with us personally but with israel he deals with it nationally so he has always used gentile nations to discipline israel because israel also is his son but the issue is this let us say let us say uh, let us say my child is studying in school okay child is studying at school when my child does something wrong there is a system in which the school authorities have to discipline my child okay yeah. they have to discipline the child but in the name of disciplining my child if he is beaten up black and blue and he's got welts all over and he's wounded and he's bleeding and he can hardly walk that is not discipline that will be called abuse, abuse. so what happened is every nation which has got used to discipline israel they abused them and god destroyed those nations ba destroyed the nations he destroyed those nations okay so this is a, the only exceptions few exceptions is one is alexander the other is king cyrus okay so those kings if you notice were blessed because they did not abuse the jews though they were sent into israel they did not abuse the yes. jews so you will see there was a blessing upon cyrus that is in isaiah 45 you will see a blessing that is pronounced over him so this is what you need to understand okay so when god disciplines he uses other nations too so now even in 3 weeks back something happened in israel october the 7th right it's a terrible thing that happened but you need to understand okay now please please uh, don't misunderstand me it's a very terrible thing that happened but when we look at that we also have to look at it from the perspective of the old covenant because there this this still hanging on to the old covenant okay old covenant so two things happened over there one was what happened in one particular place where the maximum number of deaths took place 200 300 of the young people all of them were killed and then how they attacked into those kibbutzes and all that but these are not the same what happened with them over there you will see they were slaughtered they were slaughtered they were raped they were slaughtered all the young ones but if you really if the reports that are coming out no instead of covering it up or whatever what's happening over there all these young ones were not believing jews or anything they were reprobates let's use that term they were high on drugs they were practically naked and there were many of them were literally in public fornicating okay let you go back to israel's history when they began in the wilderness exactly this is exactly what happened and god told the israelites the levites to go in and kill and 3000 died that day 3000 dies okay so we are not condoning what hamas did at all but also need to you need to realize unlike other nations israel has a covenant with god yeah. and they have his name yeah have his name and they are accountable yeah. okay you can't do stuff like that mm-hmm. and can have the name israel and have 
the name. Okay, so there was two things that was happening over there. Okay, because we live in a secular reprobate world, the Western reprobate world. Okay, so we will say, oh, okay, that was, of course, what was done, everything was wrong. But you will also see that in some ways it was a warning. It was a warning both to Israel and to the church. Don't play the fool with the holy God. Don't take, Don't take my name for granted. I'm a holy God. Okay. Yeah. I'm a holy God. Yeah. Okay. So we have to be very, very careful about it. But in the process, post that, what has happened, you knew if you, if you had looked at one week or 10 days before this happened, people thought Israel was on the verge of collapse. The nation was so terribly divided, divided into mm-hmm. two groups, so dividedly, it was like at the yes, verge right. of the civil war. Mm-hmm. So this is how God uses things which are actually done by sinful, sinful people, sinful people, what he, how he uses. Now you have a kind of unity that was never seen, okay, never seen. And another part you see is that now they are all praying. They are fasting, they are praying, they are worshipping, they are singing because suddenly you are facing death. Every family is affected. There is not a single family that is not affected. Everybody is affected. From every family there is somebody who is going to war. You don't know whether he is going to come back. And suddenly the whole mood and tone of the nation has changed. This nation has changed. But something else also is happening. If you notice... Okay, um, different nations, including India, has sent aircrafts to bring their people back, those who want to come back, and then the only aircrafts that are flying over there oh, are Air Force. Have come back, but right? if you look mm-hmm. at uh, Israel Airlines, whatever it is called, El Al, no? if you see that, they are flying in from all parts of the world to Israel, bringing the Jews who want to come back. Everybody wants to come back, they want to fight for their nation. So yeah. in the middle of this, the prophecies are coming come through. Back. The Aliyah is still taking place. Because mm, yes. what will cause the Jews to come back to their homeland? And God says, my prophecy, what I have spoken, <laughs> you will understand all this only in the latter days. Hallelujah. You will understand Hallelujah. all this in the latter days. Mm. And the American Jews, the richest set of Jews, the American Jews, who are the most reprobate of them all, who are leftists, Democrats and all, suddenly they all have woken up. From Henry Kissinger onwards, they are trying, finally realizing we were wrong. (laughs) We were wrong. We were wrong. We were wrong. Their attitude has this thing. And because remember, many of these Ivy League academies, universities survive on donations given by the Jews. Mm. They give huge. So this, they are already starting to say, and some of them have already withdrawn. No more, no more donations to the universities because if you are trying to teach these young people to hate anti-Semitism, why should we put our money in right. over there? Because so many things are happening. But please remember, what we saw happening there will happen again. Words and this. It is written. They will be they will come in, a lot of Israelites will die, the women will be ravished, the babies will be killed, and then Christ will step down. Christ will step down and the Mount Olives will split into two. Okay, but when that happens, remember, he's coming down with his church, with his saints. Even, even Zachariah, all of them say that he will come down with his saints. That is how, so that means the church is gone. So now in this interim period of 2000 years of grace, if a Jew wants to get saved, he has to come through Christ. Come through Christ. 
Okay, and when the church is gone, the believing prepared rapture, the church is raptured and gone. I mean, we are, we are standing on that premise, pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, these are again secret things. We do not know. We cannot be dogmatic about it because there are godly men who believe in pre, mid and post. These are secret things. All we can do is prepare. Whichever way. Okay, whenever it happens, okay, so when, so if the Jews for them, the Messianic Jews, we can only come through Jesus Christ, then during that period, the church that is, that, that didn't believe and now believes, okay, they will also go through. I, my personal take is that the first three and a half years of tribulation will be terrible for, for the, church. the, for the church that believes after rapture. Because every man's hand will be against you. The Jew will be against you. The Gentile will be against you. Okay. will be against you. Okay. So they will also come through tribulation. Then the second half of tribulation is when the abomination takes place. When the enemy will put himself, whatever it is, the beast that speaks, AI, whatever it is, he will enter into the holy of holies and confirm himself as God. That's when the Jews will realize they have been duped. Then it turns. Then the believing Jews will revolt. They will not accept it. They will not accept it. And then the massacre of the Jews will start. But they will run. They will flee. God will hide. All kind of things will happen. But at the end of it, Christ will come. But what we are seeing is the background is getting ready for it. It is getting and all the key players all are, 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 the, are showing, the, up, showing themselves. But... I still do not believe the time is here. Yeah, yeah, sure, it's still sure. not here. Mm. I do believe, uh, that's why I said 2024 is a crucial decisive year. Watch away 2024. That's why if you look at it, you know, that's why for all that people say, that's why like Victor Hansen, yes. he's see, Victor Hansen, and he's true. Everybody knows that, and but he speaks European, his, his opinions are very highly regarded. Yes, the okay. thing is that what he said is that President Trump had been president now. None of this would have happened. None of this thing. Ukraine war wouldn't have happened. Hamas wouldn't dare to do anything. Iran would have been quiet like a kitten. Korea wouldn't be shooting missiles. China wouldn't try anything with Taiwan. Nobody would try anything at all. Try at all. So the question is, in 2024, will he come back? Will he come back? Is the question. Right now, if you look at it, he, if elections were held today, he will win. He will win. Okay. But the question is, will they allow him? Will you allow him? It's, it's like we got literally a year left. November 5, 2024. So October, no, one, okay, year. one year left. Will he win? Is the question. Wow. What will they do to stop him? Okay. Now the same thing oh, is God. over here. Will, what will happen over here? Like if you look at the latest uh, polling that has come out, it looks like uh, Congress will take all the four states. And also Rajasthan might. Yeah, yeah even, even Rajasthan, they're saying they will, they will sweep, like two days which has come out, you know, they will sweep all four states. But the question is, again, will they allow them to sweep it is the question. Okay, there are powers that are working behind the scenes. Will they allow them? Because you know these are these are not small countries. These are important countries because America is technically the most powerful nation, and 
India is for America wants India to be the bulwark against the whole Chinese, Russian, all hegemony over here because we have technically we are better off than all these countries because we have a huge young population. China can be skilled. Yeah, can be skilled. China is on a back foot because they have a, they have extreme aging population. They don't have young people. Japan doesn't have young people. All these India has this massive young people who can be trained who can because so. That's that's where it stands. But how will it go? We do not know. And then all this, if you have noticed in the Middle East, you see all these uh, demonstrations and all that. But you didn't see any demonstration in Saudi. You didn't see any demonstration in UAE. They won't allow any demonstration. They won't allow any demonstration because you need to realize all these ruling elites over there, the, the royal families are very scared. They won't, and they all survive. Technically, they all survive because of the American presence, like the American presence. And you need to realize one whole block is Sunni, the other block is Shia, and they don't like Iran at all. They don't like Iran at all. They don't like Hamas at all, and they don't like uh, the Hezbollah in uh, Lebanon, the Syrians, all these players. They don't. So though they make the correct sounds to basically please the man on the ground. They wouldn't mind if Israel destroyed Hamas, and uh, America uh, took out Iran. They wouldn't mind. They would be very happy. The Saudi prince still said this week he will still try to normalize relationships with Israel. Okay, but how these things will play out, we do not know. How it will play out, we do not know because ultimately it has got nothing to do what we expect. It is what God wants. Mm. God wants. What does God want in the whole thing is that. See, the church has only, uh, that is uh, Matthew 24 and verse 14. The gospel will mm. be preached to the end mm. of the world and the end will come. Okay, 14 onward. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then and the end will come. Will come. come on. Okay, now come you on, go to verse on, 15. Oh, from 15 onward. Now this is okay. Therefore, now he's talking about, now the church is gone. Church is gone. Gospel now he's moving to Israel. The church mm. has done its work. That has it preached the gospel as a witness to Christ as the Messiah. Mm. And church work is over. The church is gone. Now we are moving back to Israel. Now this has got to do with Israel. This has nothing to do with the church. Mm. It's nothing to do with the church. This has got to do with Israel. So when you read from 15 onwards, all that has got to do with Israel. Now if you look, I'll, I'll, I'll get the verses. If you go to Matthew 24. So we have to be very, we can learn scriptural principles over there, but please remember, this is not talking about the church, this is talking about Israel. Okay. Now if you come to verse 30. 3-0. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great glory. Okay. Now this is now this is this is talking about Israel. This is talking about his second coming. This is talking about his second coming. If you go, its parallel is there. Okay. The parallel is uh, uh, Revelation mourn. chapter one. All the okay, verse five. If I'm right, one five. All they will mourn. Yes. Yeah. He is coming quickly and. Seven seven. seven, 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 Revelation one, seven. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. So you need to realize, when you are talking about rapture, every eye say, I won't see him. 
Nobody will see him except the church that goes up to see him. But when he comes the second time, every eye sees him. It's under the illustration given is like lightning splits the sky. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can see lightning. Okay. So this is talking about Christ coming down. He's coming down. And this is post-tribulation. And that is, it's called the day of Jacob's trouble because it's not the day of the church's trouble. It's the day of Israel's trouble. Okay. But he will not allow them to destroy all of Israel. Okay. Because a remnant will be saved. A remnant. That's where, uh, we looked at Romans 11, 25 and 26 came in. So how we read it, we have to be very, very careful because, uh, Matthew 24, uh, Mark 13 and uh, Luke 21. These are the parallel this. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles has come in. Once they have come in, the gospel has been preached as a witness, the church is ready, the church is gone. And then the next thing is that, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob. Mm-hmm. So if you read all the prophetic scriptures, you will see the spirit of grace will come upon them, supplication, they will look upon whom they pierce, they will cry out, God will sprinkle clean water upon them. They also will be born again. Yes, They will be born again. The same way we went, they will all accept him as Messiah. They will be cleansed, they will be sanctified and Christ will begin his rule from Jerusalem. He will step down on the Mount of Olives. It will split into two. All these things will happen. But that has got nothing to do with the church. That has got nothing to do with the church. But when he comes back, you see in Revelation 19, so the whole idea, the premise is this, that when the 70th week starts taking place, seven years, okay, 69 weeks are over, there is a pause the time of grace with the Gentiles is taking place. Remember, it was a mystery with the, with the Jews never understood. They never understood. That's why Peter also was very hesitant to go to Cornelius' house. Mm. But the mystery was revealed through Apostle Paul. Mm. The mystery of the church was revealed, how the middle wall of separation is being broken down. And in Christ, Jew and Gentile will become one. So from that point till today, if a Jew wants to be saved, he has to come through Christ. Then when Jesus comes the second time, they will come to Christ. So Gentile and Jew will become one. The believers will become one in Christ Jesus. But it was a mystery. It was hidden. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it until it was revealed uh, through Apostle Paul. So we are living in those latter days. And 75 is an important number. 75 years are over. Okay, 75 years, it's, it's 75 is important biblically because it was at the age of 75. Abraham entered into the promised land. Okay. Historically speaking, 75 is important because after 75 years, the communism crashed. 75 years of communism, Russia collapsed, Soviet Union just collapsed in 75 years. Okay. So, but we have to see, we do not know God's timeline. Okay. Because remember, there's a cry of mercy going on cry of mercy because we will say Lord Maranatha come Lord Jesus so Paul will say I want to depart but I also want to stay for your sake so if you are a bachelor you will say Maranatha come Lord Jesus but if you are a father like me you will say Lord my children my children my grandchildren Lord want to make sure they all they don't they, they are not left behind because 
you know, those who left behind, many will not come through. So there is, so God in his patience, you know, in his patience, you see, I said that also last week, Lord uh, waited patiently during the times of Noah. And the whole question is, if he only knew eight people were going to be saved, then why did he wait? Because he was waiting for the others to die. The last one to die is Methuselah. And he dies and goes through. Okay, so the book of Revelation says that blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Okay, because there are, there are only two options in the last days. Either you die, the death of a righteous and go, or you are caught in rapture. You don't want third option. You don't want third option. Third option is you come through tribulation. The question is, how are oh. you going to handle that? Because the Bible says, if God did not shorten those days, oh, even the elect, elect will not be able to survive. Because we are living in those times where you see the, the oppression that will come from the system. The system. Okay, we have, we have, no generation has ever faced what we are facing. Okay, and it's going to be unbelievably difficult. But the church prays, because yes. we know salvation is the key, we want people saved. But if God is extending his hand of mercy, then like Cyrus was important in Israel's history, then these political figures are important. Political figures are important. Like in America, Trump is important. Because there's no one. That's why you need to realize, if you look at what's happening, okay, whatever they try to do with him doesn't seem to work. No man would survive that kind of an attack. Even in public opinion, okay, you would survive. But how is he coming through that? Because you need to realize that there is something supernatural that is happening. But I do not know what will happen in the next one year because one year is a long time. <laughs> okay, one year, what will happen? We do not know. And the same thing over here. You can see the government is on a back foot. Like what they're doing with Trump is what the government, like never in the 75 years of human, I mean, Indian democratic history has ED been used against uh, government people, I mean, elected, ele elected officials in states where election is taking place. What they did in Rajasthan has never happened in Indian history. You don't do that. You simply don't do that. Don't say ED is an independent being. It's not independent. It's still under the central government. Election is taking place on November. Uh, November election is taking place. And the ED went against uh, the hello son and the Congress uh, president in Rajasthan. And uh, you don't do stuff like that. In the same way, President Trump is the leading candidate in the polls. Everything is beating Biden and they're weaponizing the Justice Department against him. You simply don't do that. And most of the cases have no standing at all. Like what happened this week in uh, New York where Raman, it was, it was a shame to the Justice Department that is happening because the whole court, basically the entire case is built against, uh, that guy, uh, the skunk, what is his name? Cohen. Hmm. Yeah, oh, his oh, old time fixer he was. No, it's all based on his testimony and all. But in cross examination in the court, Cohen literally fell apart. He literally fell apart and he, under testimony, he said, no, Trump never made me do any of this thing. He never asked us to inflate the value. He is their key witness. Once the key witness has fallen apart, the case should be dismissed. They didn't. Mm -hmm. They didn't. So you know it doesn't matter what you do, they have a fixed agenda, they are going to go ahead with it. Okay, and remember, a couple of things. One, 
uh, God picked a man who is a street fighter. He's tough. He doesn't quit easily. Second, picked a man who has the money to fight. Most people, all those ones in Georgia who pleaded, plead to the plea deal because fighting cases in America is a very expensive business. You don't want to get, they will destroy you financially. Destroy you financially. So you need to understand there are, there's a January 6th case going on in Washington. There's a case going on in Florida. There's a case going on in Georgia. And there's a case going on in New York. The New York case is primarily uh, targeted at destroying him financially. That is the whole idea, to destroy him financially so that he cannot fight the other cases. This is, the, this is how they have come at him from every side. And the simple question is, what are they afraid of? Hmm. What are they so scared of him? What is that they will do? That is, what is that if he comes back that will spoil their plans. Like we know, when he was there for four years, all their plans of the world, one order to bring this, everything was pushed back by four years. He got out of the climate agreement. He he will, he comes back, he will do it again. All the things, he'll throw all those treaties out. We will not. Private, they want to take away private property. They want to centralize everything. That is the whole agenda. This is the background that is being set for a one world government, which has to happen. So the Antichrist will one day come and take over. Okay. So when he came in, he put a stop to all that for four years. And as soon as he left, they went back full steam with the whole idea. The question is, if he comes back, Back again, again the agenda of the Antichrist forces to bring their ruler into the picture again will be pushed back at least by four years. And his, if he gets a second term, why I say if if it is though we call it democracy, it is not in the hands of the people; it's in the hands of God. What is God's plan? We do not know. But the thing is that if he gets a second term, it won't be like the first term. It won't be like the first term because now he knows all the dirty players. Second, uh, American president, when he's having his second term, his hands are free. free. Because That's he knows it. he's not coming back on a third term. That's this is it. his final go term. all out. Okay, <laughs> he will go all out. So they know that. But the whole question is, our prayer is what he taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will. Because even if Trump gets four years, it's only four years. Hmm. And Christ comes, it's forever. Hmm. Okay, so we always have to think, but if God's plan is four years and the only reason is so that people can be saved, the gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth as a witness. There's no other reason. So we have to be very, very careful about it. That what is, why do we want? Because honestly, other than that, none of us can have another reason. Because even under the best peaceful reign and the most prosperous reign on earth of any dispensation on earth, what Christ will bring is incomparable. Incomparable. You cannot compare it. That is why we meditate on heaven. We look at the stuff, what will happen during the millennial reign. We look at what is heaven and all that because, because see, everything, everything has got to do with aspirations. Yes. Okay. Everybody wants, you know, peace. They want to build their homes. They want to have fun. They want to, okay. but all that is nothing compared to what will be life for thousand years. No sin. No sin. Absolutely no sin. 
peace like we have never ever seen. There is no vagaries of nature. There will be no cyclones, no storms, no sickness, no pestilence, no war. There will be absolute, meaning life even on earth. There is no comparison. The only comparison will be before man's fall in the Garden of Eden. Okay. It will be life unbelievable. Therefore, we have to see the people, if, if you don't meditate on what Christ's reign is going to be like, and then after that eternity, we will still dream about the hope in this of, life. Of in this life. Life. That is what the Bible talks in First Corinthians 15, 19. And this is talking to Christians. If in this life only we have hope <laughs> in Christ, which is good. By faith we receive things from God. He gives us healing. He gives us all things that we need for life. We can believe for a lot of things. But if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Because what is Christ going to bring on earth? So it doesn't matter. Even as all these things are happening, our prayer never changes. Our prayer is, Thy kingdom come. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. What does it actually mean? It means the kingdom of God will come on the kingdom of earth. All the nations will come under him and the saints will rule. There is no comparison to that. There is no comparison. But the only reason we talk about delay in us, why God delays, we don't know. But our reason is that, honestly for me, I want delay. Because there are so many people to be saved, to be absolutely sure they are saved. Family, church, even in our own church, mm. a lot of people are not even sure they are saved. Young ones, no. So the whole idea is when you say thy kingdom come, you know when it comes, if rapture takes place, what happens? What happens? Okay, so that is but that is the reason. One of the things that I would like you to just definitely comment on is... Mm. You see the unreasonableness of the hatred towards Jews and the church alike. Why do you think that? It's, it's demonic. It's demonic, you know. But also when I tell people, okay, when I tell them, there was a question that I, I mean, it's a question to be put up over here. There's a question talking about, you know, the hatred towards Trump and the Democrats and all that, you know. There is a hatred of the Democrats in the higher echelons, you know, those who are sitting at the power who are into all kind of dirty business. Their hatred towards him and the average person on the streets, you know. Now, if you, we, we all know, at least I know and many of you know, starting with my wife and all her friends who have come down from New York, Every one of them are liberal Democrats. But every one of them, when they came and stayed in my house and talked to me for a few hours, went back as Republicans. <laughs> the reason is ignorance. Okay, reason is ignorance. The, the whole issue is ignorance. Okay, so, so God himself in the book of Acts says that this seasons of ignorance, I, God ignores, overlooks, and now repent. Now repentance basically is a change of mind. You see, if you're only, if you're, if your source of information 
ECN and, and MNBC and all the mainstream media. And that is what you have grown up on, mainstream media. Okay. okay. See, honestly, until Trump came in, that's why he went on the attack on the media. And that's why he, he changed the whole perspective. People actually started questioning the media. What are they talking about? Before that, nobody, nobody dared to go against mm. the media. He opened up so many things. So you need to realize this a whole, like even our children, no? your, our kids and all, no? and the other friends, everybody who came in. And you need to realize most of the people who came in were African Americans. Who were this dedicated vote bank of the Democrats? The question is, some of them, I'm not mentioning names over here, went back and became dedicated Republican workers and who started talking to others as to why you should vote for Trump. Trump. It's a simple question. Is it one you don't know your own history? Mm. You don't know your own history. You don't understand the agenda of the Democratic Party. Once upon a time, they were okay, but now they are not okay at all. They are not okay at all. And you have to look at it. If you are a believer, then if you look at it, why? Okay, the Democrats were the the party of slavery. Not the Republicans. Abraham Lincoln was not a Democrat, he was a Republican. Mm. Okay, a Republican, okay? And you need to realize is that what they do there and what they do here, they, they shout you down. Mm. They are never interested mm. in a dialogue. Reasonable. They will never interest in a reasonable conversation. And they have this media all paid for all of them. No, they will shout. And the question is that, whose agenda are you working for? What is your agenda? Okay, so you need to realize they use as soon as they realize the evangelical Christians or the Christian population in America is coming down and down and down and down, the picture changed. Now they are not, they don't care. They don't care. So they take God and everything out of their, uh, uh, democratic caucus, everything they took out. Okay. Now they were, um, they were so upset with the current speaker, Johnson, because he brought Christ and God into his speech and they were very upset about him. They attack him only on his faith. Attacking his faith. The question is, why are you so upset about it? So upset about it, okay? So you need to realize a lot of people, a lot of people in me, even in my own family, I'm talking about my own family, a uh, lot of people I know, I feel sorry for because they are ignorant of what is actually happening. And I know if you come and sit one day, I'll have a conversation with you. And once you have a conversation, I'll present the facts, your own facts, present the facts over. And the problem is, uh, if you have a biblical background, it's very easy. If you don't have a biblical ag- background, then you need to have the problem. One thing I have understood about Americans, almost every American I have talked, except for a few, they don't know the history of their own country. They're ignorant. The ignorance of the average American is unbelievable. Hmm. And the same true about now about Indians here mm-hmm. also, generation. Mm-hmm. They don't know the history of this country at, at all. They have no idea about our freedom movement and those stalwarts and how they and what they came through in the same way Americans. And they have been one whole generation of, I mean, the African Americans have been brainwashed by the Democrat Party. And they, like they, they actually say, uh, the Democrat Party is a new slave plantation. 
they own yeah they own them they own this okay and they use them okay and uh, the chief slave master is the president if you let him actually speak freely he will still call the black man oh boy and he has done it he has done it because he's an apt he's an actual real racist he's an actual racist not trump trump is not a racist they try to, whatever they say about the other person you need to realize is true about them because true about them and at deep heart they are atheists they are anarchists anarchists that's why even, even though people talk about uh, kejriwal yeah. and all i personally don't i mean i like his speeches i like his policies but i don't trust them because at the core they are anarchists yeah. they are leftist anarchists even the ones who were all we were, uh, we were listening to them on the youtube and all about them as soon as yeah. the palestinian israel war they, they all, all flipped on to the palestinian the side then are teaching mm. so they themselves do not know the history so you need to realize at the core start from the most conservative newspaper called Hindu they are all leftists they are all leftists and uh, leftists are very dangerous so, so why mm. is this hatred of the leftists for the Jewish people that is something which I don't understand why do they hate I mean why do they hate the see, Jewish see one of the reasons they all not just the leftists why one of the reasons why everybody if you look like Shakespeare's place and all you look Shylock. like Shylock all, all many other Jews were the reason was that you know one thing about the jews they refuse to assimilate with any culture okay that well, is why yeah that's that why what balam said nine, mm. 2000 years later when he come back a jew is still a jew, a jew exactly a jew. Mm. second they were unbelievably successful mm. you need to read american and european history when kings went to war they to borrow money from the jews mm. that's true so you see so they hated them it is it is basically jealousy it is jealous even now all the big money ones in us are basically the jews basically the jews they hold the purse strings everywhere they hold it they are reprobates if all these reprobate jews became believing jews the world economic system will change because <laughs> they hold trillions in their hands and it is it is the hand of god over them mm. okay they have a covenant it's a unilateral covenant unlike our covenant god's covenant with abraham is a unilateral covenant he made with abraham and is he said i will bless you and the blessing is still there they are smart they are intelligent and uh, they are very very successful so the hatred is basically got to do with that the hatred is basically it's like Saul hating david yeah. it's got to do with jealousy mm. it's got to do with jealousy because you know and one they refuse to assimilate the second is they are in- incredibly successful. successful they don't need the others actually yeah they're mm. extremely extremely mm. successful and they kept to themselves they don't try to proselytize or anything they kept to themselves and also the reason is that they looked down the jews also looked down upon the others they looked at gentiles like dogs okay they looked down upon everybody because this is what they because pray every day yeah it's it, they it's not their prayer the thing is that they don't realize that even their uh, covenant with god is based on mercy hmm. they don't deserve it Okay, they don't. You know, this is the same thing that happens to any one of us. We are saved by grace, mm-hmm. and then as the blessings of God starts coming in, we start changing. We do not realize if you live by faith, it is only by grace and mercy, yeah. and that we do not boast at all. The same trap they got in is what happened to the so God also dealt with all the Christian nations. Mm-hmm. So they all are coming down. 
they all are coming down because we need to realize. So now the parallel to this is why is the white man hated? So they say construct to hate the white man, to make the white man feel inferior, the white man to hate himself that his skin is way white and all. The whole idea, of the, the, the whole reason is you need to realize if you look at 2,000 years back and Jesus sending his disciples, say go to the ends of the earth, everybody, actually other nations had uh, better chances, like the Ethiopian eunuch, right, in the book of Acts is going into Africa, mm-hmm. Thomas came to India, Andrew, they say, thing went to China, so everybody spread. And Apostle Paul goes into Europe. So, the gospel was given to every race, you want to call race, the Mongolian race, Dravidian, black, every race, but the white man took it. So you can't blame him for receiving the gospel with all his heart. <laughs> because the gospel is the power of God. Mm-hmm. And salvation em- encompasses every area of your life. Yeah. Okay? So the parallel to the Jew He's is the white man. man. White man yeah. The white man. The parallel to the Jew is the white man. That even after 300, 400 years of the dark period of the Catholic Church, okay, Till the white man prospered. Exactly. Okay. Because you think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody gets upset with the white man. But you know, and they talk about colonialism, colonialism, colonialism. But if you want to really talk about colonialism, take the white out of it. They were colonialism everywhere. Mm. The Japanese also took, like, like, when you talk about India, China, and they came to Korea and all that, and African nations, the tribes fought among each other. All these things were happening. The fact is that when India became free in 1947, we had 600 princely states in India. Take the British out, there is no India. When you're talking about India, what India are you talking about? Which India are you talking about? Exactly. Which India are you talking about? Okay. Where is your map? Which India are you talking about? My little state, mine and Samir's little state called Kerala, tiny little state, three, is three kingdoms. Three kingdoms, yeah. Even three kingdoms. Kingdom. Yeah, Calicut, one kingdom, Cochin, mm-hmm. and Travancore. Travancore was the biggest one. Three kingdoms, okay? So mm-hmm. 600. So they invited the British in for protection. And the thing is that what the British did in India, I'm not um, whitewashing any of the things which they did. What I'm saying is what the British did in India is what the Americans are doing in the Middle East. They brought security. Okay. If the Americans were not there in the Middle East, Saddam Hussein would have swallowed up everybody. Saddam, Iraq would have swallowed it, Kuwait is swallowed, his next target was Saudi Arabia, he would have swallowed it all up, these dictators would have swallowed up all these places, okay, so what brought the stability, the stability is the Americans, but you can't blame the Americans by saying that Americans are there in the Middle East only because of oil, which is true. Because there are so many conflicts going in Africa, in Sudan and all, and Americans are not going there because they are not interested. But the question, this other question you need to ask is that, why should I get myself into some conflict where there is no benefit for me? Why should I get? Okay. So you have to look at it. America literally is, is being post-Second World, the world's peacemaker. If the Americans weren't there, I mean, you take America out of the picture in the last 75 years. Can you imagine the state of this world? Can you imagine the state of the world? There would be wars everywhere. You don't know who would be ruling what. 
But America, because you say UN and UN, UN. But UN has no teeth. Exactly. When UN passes a resolution, it's America who enforces it. Exactly. Okay, enforces it. <laughs> and if they have their agenda of profiting out of it, actually they didn't really profit. They lost hundreds and thousands of the young men and their neck deep in debt. Mm. So I don't know what profit and the current generation is dying of drugs. So I don't know in which way some level of prosperity <laughs> one generation experienced. But other than that, I did look at it. If you look at America, what did you profit? Your sons all came dead from Korea, from Vietnam, yeah. from Afghanistan, from Iraq. All these places they came. Okay, they kept peace, but they came back dead. Your, you are neck high in debt fighting all these wars. But you have to accept this fact. Our problem is that we look with we look with racist eyes. We are not reading history objectively. That's why I said it's good my color is skin, my skin color is brown because neither I am white nor black. So in the middle I can look at it and read it. Okay. Both ways. Both ways. <laughs> I say actually I look at history. Okay. Thank God for the British. Thank God Britain came to India. Because if Britain did not come to India, I would be a citizen of Travancore. Or would the Tamilians have taken us over? The chair, the Cholas, Cheras. Oh, we don't know where we would be. Would be, would be, would I be, would we be in like Africa? No. Constant wars going on between nations. What would I be in the state of India? What would I be in the state of India? Thank God they came. Thank God they came. Okay. And uh, they made us into a nation. And they left quietly. They left quietly. They packed up and they left. Okay. So we have to look at history and not read the the racist kind of readings where we blame us. So that's what I said. The problem is not the white man, the black man or anything like the next question will come. The problem is sin. Sin in the black man or sin in the white man is there's no color. When it when it uh, when it manifests itself, it will manifest in the same way or worse way. Okay, when atrocities have happened, white man has done it terribly, black man has done it terribly, the yellow man has done it terribly, the brown man also has done terribly. So it's manifestation. Goodness has come out. All these colors also have been good. So the issue is not the skin color. My issue is that you want to make it into a skin problem, mm-hmm. a racist thing. And I say, no, that's not true. The issue is, as a pastor, I will say the issue has got to do with sin. The sin. But God will judge the Jew and God will judge the white man more because to whom much was given, much is required. Much is required. So the standard that is always being pushed on America about the slavery Nobody talks about that same standard to all the other countries which had slavery. When there is slavery still going on in the world, nobody is talking about it. The slavery of the Islam. Does anybody talk about it? Nobody talks about it. The slavery of Japanese, the, the way they did it in Korea and China. Does anybody talk about it? No. But they will always talk about what is happening in America. The reason is, and I said, yes, you should talk about it. The reason is because God expects a different standard from us because we have the knowledge of who the living God is. The living God is. We have the standard of the living God. Therefore, to whom much was given, much is required. Okay, so every nation there was slavery and there are plenty of slaves all around still who have no option of escape or anything. But the difference is, we don't, we are not racist. We do not bring race over there. We have to see the problem 
is objectively is subjectively is a sin. sin problem and the god solution to that is the church and therefore i say the church failed the church failed the church failed because once slavery was abolished the churches should have, should have taken leave the ones who don't believe on the streets and leave them alone the churches should have taken the stand to say come we black men we chinese all come together let us live as one community because christ has broken the middle wall of separation and that is where the church Church. And it took years for them years. to even till today. Even yes. till today, they say the most the hour of segregation in America starts Sunday. on Sunday at nine o'clock, ten o'clock. It oh. becomes the churches all open. The black man goes to the black church. The white man goes to the white church. The Japanese, Hispanic goes to Hispanic church. The hour of segregation is on Sunday, but that was not meant to be that hour. That was the hour where the middle wall of separation broke down. But that is not true. So I don't blame the politicians. I don't. Ultimately, we have to put the blame where God puts the blame. We were supposed to be His witnesses, and if the church has failed, okay. Hmm. But again, I will say the church didn't really fail because many of the people who failed were not really born again Christians. Hmm. They were not born again. They were not really born again. They did not understand the scriptures. They didn't know what Christ actually did. They were Christian in namesake. Okay, but the world will see them as Christians. Yes, we'll run to the next question. Yes, so we'll go to question number three, Sam. Uh, just put it up. The need for righteousness, whatever sin did, righteousness must undo. Uh, sin is explained as lawlessness, wickedness, disobedience, transgression, and the like. Each of these carrier carries an idea of either evil done or the good omitted by someone. But in the opposite sense, righteousness is often seen as a deed of goodness or even obedience to the law. We see in Romans chapter 16, 6 verse 19, obedience in Romans chapter 7 verse 14, that the word sin can represent in a, na- a nature within a person, urging the person to commit the act of sin. Need light on this, please. Okay. Now, I um, and the actual word the Bible uses is not the word sin. The actual word the Bible uses is the word iniquity. Okay, so you need to realize uh, there are two words in English. One is iniquity and the other is equity. The simple meaning of iniquity, simple, we'll try to make it simple so that anybody, even a child sitting at home can understand. The simple meaning of equity is balance. Okay, now this cup is sitting over here because it is balanced. But if I try to put it like this, it will tilt, the whole thing will spell because it lost its balance. So when Adam and Eve sinned, iniquity came in. Mm. Iniquity came in. Mankind lost. and all of creation lost its balance. Mm. Balance. Okay. So we do not become sinners by sinning. No. Mm-hmm. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We know from Psalm 51. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So that is our nature. nature. That is why religion is just like a refrigerator. Mm. Okay. What religion does, that's what the Bible says. The purpose of the law was to keep us under God until Christ came. God from what? If you go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. I like NIV there. Okay, NIV is even more stronger there. Okay, okay. Before this faith came, 
what is his faith in Christ came, salvation came. Mm. Now, this faith, we are not talking about faith because faith is a common word, not religion. This faith in Christ came. We were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. We were held prisoners by the law because the nature of man is sin. He is iniquity. He is driven by iniquity is the power that causes you to sin. But iniquity, when it manifests itself, the sin is not the same. Mm. Each one is tempted by his own desires. But the power, like like we say, like electric power, the electric power is the same. But now this electric power is driving different things. But the power behind it is the same. Mm. Okay, whether it is this light or for this for this camera or the fan or that, these are different things. But the power is exactly the same, coming from the same source. So iniquity is the same. It is the driving force behind it. Why? Because why does man sin? Because he's lost balance with God. Okay, he's lost his balance with God and he's lost his balance with man. Mm. Both has gone. When God created man in his image and put him over there, God said, don't eat from that tree because if you eat from the tree, you will die because you will become independent of me and you will become unbalanced. Because if we are independent of God, we will lose our balance. The only way I can have my balance when I am dependent upon God. Okay, so when man became independent of God, he lost his balance with God and with man. So his first act with God is to run and hide. So God has to come searching for him. And when God questions him, the first act with man to man is to blame his wife. Because there's only one man there. There are only two human beings there. Okay, there are only two human beings. One God and two human beings. So you have a picture of three people over there. God and two human beings. So you will see the encounter in Genesis 3 is that he hides from God and he blames the other person because Iniquity has said he's lost his balance. He lost his balance. Okay, lost his balance. This is how it works out. So what is the, so religion, like we said, religion, the whole idea of what is religion? It is a law. In every religion, there is a law. Do this and don't do this. Do this and don't do this. And the purpose of religion, leave it, leave aside what you do with God. Okay? But the Primary purpose of religion is what you do with man. Mm, yes. Mm, right? Mm. So you have ten commandments. Only four is dealing with God. Okay? The other six are dealing with man. Mm. Okay? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. So in religion, there is a law. So even when religion is taken away, the law is still there. So even in a communist countries like North Korea, where there is no religion allowed, there is a law. (laughs) Okay. So that is what we need to realize. Take the law out of religion, there is no religion. Mm. It's no religion. Every religion has to have a law. Hinduism has a set of codified law. Buddhism has a codified (laughs) law. Islam has a codified law. Judaism has a codified law. So there is law. Christianity is the only religion where there seems to be no codified law. <coughs> you cannot bring the laws of Christianity. What are the laws of Christianity? God says there are no laws. What is the law? The law is love God and love your neighbor. That's the only law. It's the only law. He says, how can you have a religion without law? Because he says, equity has come back. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Equity has come back. When equity has come back, you don't need law. When there is inequity, you need law. So what is new birth? New birth is you're born of God and suddenly equity has come in. Equity has come in. Now what happens is you're balanced with God and balanced with man. Equity has come in. 
Okay? That is what has come in. And the only law is one new commandment I give you. Commandment I give you. What is that? Love you one another as I have loved you. Then towards God, he will say, if you love me, you will keep my command. What is it? Equity has come in. Balance has come in. This is what we need to realize. Now, you have to grow in it because everyone is born again, not as an adult. You're born again as a, as a child, as a baby. Now, the teaching in the kingdom of God is completely different. It's completely different. People still would like to give me five laws, but there are no five laws. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> there is only one thing, and the most beautiful thing is, uh, um, you go to uh, Galatians, not 5, 6, we'll come to 5, 6, second, but before that, 6, six so and uh, 14. 14 Galatians 6, 14, then 5, 6. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because that is where the old man dies, the man of iniquity dies. Okay, you need. That's what Jesus says. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, because that is the instrument for the man of iniquity to die. Because my old man is a man of iniquity; he dies. By whom the world has been crucified to me and to the world, and then fifteen comes. Okay, mm. for in Christ Jesus, neither yeah six fifteen six fifteen. Okay, new creation. Okay, in Christ Jesus. Okay. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor un- uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Mm. Okay. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Okay. Now, this new creation, how does he walk? The question is, how does he walk? How does he live? And the Bible says in Galatians 5, 6, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. This is the only law. How should the new man, who is now made, like he's been, iniquity is gone. Now there is equity, there is balance. How does he live? He lives by faith. Which works through love. So faith alone is not important. Though faith is very, very important in this life, but in judgment, faith is not so important. Okay. For salvation, faith is the most important thing. You want to escape the judgment of God, you need faith. But if you want rewards, you need love. You can walk an entire life of faith and lose everything. So you need to realize uh, faith working through love is the most important thing. But the struggle with people, okay, with struggle with people, most of the struggles people face through is because the old man is not dead and they're not killing him either. Yes. Okay, like we, I had a couple of questions which I cannot read out here because, it, because there are personal names and people and all involved in here. It has got to do with last Sunday's message and it has got to do with, and all the questions were from women. And if those women are listening, we need to realize if when you talk about faith, when you talk about faith, live by faith, walk by faith, the most important characteristic of faith is submission. Yes. Because when you're talking about faith, it is the object of your faith. What mm. matters is the object of your faith. <laughs> In Islam, there is no object of faith. Mm. It's a set of rules. They don't know anything Allah. They don't know anything about Muhammad. It's a set of rules that has given. In Buddhism, the object of a faith is not Buddha. Hinduism, you can pick whatever you want. Okay. In Christianity, <laughs> the object of your faith is Christ. 
Everything is connected with a person. It is with Christ. Christ is the paradigm. I am saved because of his work and I put my trust in his work. So that is where it begins. The object of my faith is Christ. Hmm. So there are things that are important with faith. First thing, if I want to be saved, hmm. anybody wants to be saved, he has to humble himself. Yes. He has to humble himself and submit to what God has done in Christ. God has done in Christ and don't put any trust in anything you have done or will do. So, the life of faith demands two things. One, it demands humility. It demands humility. Second, it demands submission. Hmm. Now, the problem is submission is a very difficult word. Difficult word. Because, because submission is a word that is most commonly used in religion and in the system. Because everybody wants submission. <laughs> in a marriage, you want, you need submission. When you go out, out of the, into the world, the, your officer demands submission. The government demands submission. So submission is a very dicey word over here. But let's leave the world aside and let's stick to Christ and the church. Because the issue is in the home. Because if the issue is resolved at home, Every issue will be resolved. Okay, there will be no issue in the church. There will be no issue in the house because the issue is resolved at home. Like you see, I will tell you it's important because Joseph dealt with the issue of submission to his father in his house. Therefore, he didn't have trouble whether he was in Potiphar as a slave or as a prison or under Pharaoh. He never had any issues because he dealt it early in life. The issue of submission. Therefore, he was a free man. Wherever he went, he was a free man because mm. you, you need to realize you will be only free if your submission is true. Absolutely. Okay. Now, let us, now you need to understand there are two things because you have a picture where you have a husband, a man, and you have a wife, which is a woman because the whole thing, the whole set of a chain of questions coming from all over the world because I congratulated Jasad. Oh Lord. <laughs> over that, over Justin, over the term, she put her husband's, I, this thing has Lord. Okay, so a lot of uh, women were like triggered or whatever <laughs> happened. <laughs> they were all this thing because, but the, you need to understand, you need to understand the actual picture of it, okay? You have two pictures, okay? You have a man and you have a woman. We are talking only in the Christian context because for all the others, it's only one counsel of God, repent, repent. and believe. <laughs> because you can't believe unless you, you can't. I mean, no point. This teachings is not for them, only for people within the body of Christ. And a lot of people who are listening have just got saved. So I understand where they are coming from. Their whole mindset is from the old paradigm. But we are born again. We are a new creation where none of those things matter. So you have a man. You have a man and you have a woman. If you go to First Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, and words 3. Yes. Okay, yes, words yes, 3. Okay, now that is where it comes. Mm -hmm. Okay, words. Yeah, words 3. Got it? I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Mm. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Because submission has got to do with headship. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to tell you to go and submit to somebody who is not your head, who is above you. You know, head is above you, who is above you. Because that's God's order. Now, you look at man and woman. So, mm -hmm. if you go up to Ephesians 5 and you will see there, uh, wife, submit to your husband in all, all things, things as unto the Lord. Lord. 
then it will men will say men love your wives as Christ. as Christ so the paradigm is Christ now you need to realize why there is this issue in christian homes is this the man is asked to submit to the invisible the woman is asked to submit to the visible now it is easier to judge the visible it is difficult to judge the invisible so the man can say you are not submitting to me because i can see it but she cannot say but you are not submitting to christ he will say how do you know how do you know this is the problem this is the problem though we say they are mutually exclusive but the fact because in a way they are not mutually exclusive and yet they are mutually exclusive they are not mutually exclusive meaning it is difficult to submit to a man who is not submitted to god it's difficult it's not easy but the, the bible demands but it is not easy it is not easy okay it's easier to submit to a man who is submitted to god than to submit to a man who is not submitted to god but it is mutually not exclusive because if you submit it's easier for her to submit but it's also mutually exclusive why because if you don't submit you will lose your rewards you may have a fighting life literally over here but you will lose your rewards because your rewards are connected to that the man does not submit to god and he does not deal right with his wife he will lose his rewards he loses rewards you know doesn't lose his salvation that has got to do with something else and she does not submit she will lose her rewards so we are not talking about life here we are talking about rewards that is why rewards are very you have to look at everything in terms of eternity you have to look at everything in terms of eternity so when satan fell what did he become he became proud and he became a rebel mm. So when he injected that into man he became proud and he became a rebel mm. so the new creation is the opposite the new creation in who Christ humble. is birth is humble and, and submissive mm. the opposite of pride is humility and the opposite of rebellion rebellion is submission okay is submission so that is how the picture is so you need to realize first you have to receive see like i said faith is from the heart love is from the heart loyalty is from the heart but these teachings are from the head mm. that is where we call the renewing of, of the mind. mind renewing of your mind so the first thing is that mm. first you have to be surrendered you have to be humble you have to be surrendered and then you receive these teachings mm. the question will say but what if i don't submit the question is you will have a peaceless life keep on fighting 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 may end up in divorce but what but eternity you will lose your rewards whether you are a man or a woman you will lose your rewards it's absolutely clear you will lose your rewards okay you lose your rewards why because you did not submit to what god said okay salvation is free rewards are earned rewards are earned there is no reward that is free rewards are not free every reward is earned okay and it is only promised to the overcomers so the question is in my marriage what do i have to overcome what do i have to overcome if you are a married man sometimes you have to overcome your your mindset that you are able to love your wife who does not submit yeah 
Okay. That is where we have to bring the truth into what is love. Mm. Because the world has a completely different idea about what love. That's why we looked at, we are still looking at what is love. So the first thing about love in Corinthians 13, 4 is love suffers long and is still is kind. So if you are thinking about a man, a man who is in a marriage with an unsubmissive wife or a woman who is in a, in a marriage the with a man husband. who doesn't care for her, who doesn't, is not submissive to God. Right. Who is not submissive to God. So the question is, what do you do? The man suffers long and he's still kind. Woman suffers. Okay. Woman is not called to love her husband so much. Please remember. She's a call to honor and reverend, uh, rever her husband. Okay. So that is why I congratulated Justin because when she put on it, whether it is real, it doesn't matter. It's in the public realm that she's put her husband as Lord. She's honoring him. The second stage is whether she actually accepts his lordship when he is telling her, giving her counsel according to his headship, which is Christ. Because like I said, nobody has unilateral authority. Only God has. God does what he wills, what he pleases. He is the only one from all authority comes from him. Mm -hmm. So all of us have only delegated authority. We don't have, I don't have absolute authority as a husband. I don't have it. I don't have absolute authority as a parent. A lot of parents think that parents, but the question is, why should children obey their parents? Because God said so. If God didn't say so, children don't have to obey God, um, their parents. The only reason parents, children obey their parents is because God said so. God said so. So then, if children have to obey the parents, it's because God said so. Then parents have to look at what did God tell the parents. The Bible says, don't exasperate them. Don't discourage them. Be very careful that what you tell them is what I tell you. Otherwise, you look at Ephesians chapter 5, right? What it also. So we need to understand how equity works and how inequity works. 6-4. Next chapter, 6-4. Ephesians 6-4. Okay. Okay, okay, efficient six. Actually, four. you put it in an IV. Yeah, you can put an IV or any which of ours. An IV. You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training at the admonition of the Lord. See, people, what people don't understand, okay, keep it over there. First, go to Ephesians uh, so 5.22. Okay, five. we'll read 5.22, 5.25. And six four. Okay. Wives submit your own husbands as to the Lord. Lord. Okay. Now twenty-five. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And six four. Fathers do not exasperate your children, instead bring them in the training and the instruction of the Lord. What is the common thing in all these three? It is Christ. Lord, 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 Lord. Mm -hmm. What is common in all Mm -hmm. three is Lord. Mm -hmm. So I have only delegated authority. Mm -hmm. I don't have absolute authority either as a husband or as a father. Nobody has absolute. So So Mm -hmm. it comes from, it flows from the head. All authority flows from the head. And God knows, Jesus knows it is difficult. It is not possible because we are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So all he did for 4,000 years is lock us up in under the law for the safety of the society. Because if you don't have the law, you know, your husband will abuse the wife, the wife will abuse the children, the children will abuse the parents. So laws are framed to protect. 
relationships. That's the, if you look at all the laws, if you look at all the laws, what is the primary purpose of law? To protect, to protect relationships. Yes, 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 yes. That is the primary purpose of the law to protect relationship. That is the whole. Why do you need the law? Because man is born in sin, shaped in iniquity, so you need the law. The picture, the physical picture of the law is the policeman. Then you have the court systems and all that is basically because man is born of sin, shaped in iniquity. So now when man is born again of the spirit of God, equity has come back. It's not iniquity, equity has come back. Now God says, you live by faith and walk in love. I give you only one, faith that works through love. love. Now how does faith comes? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Now the word of God becomes your source. Word of God. The word of God becomes your source. It is not the law. It is life. Mm. It is not the law. It is life. Okay. So when we are talking to women, we are talking to born again women, born of the spirit, who first with God, equity has come. It has come. First set of balance has come. But you need to be more and more balanced. Because when you're born again, you are like a baby who's learning to walk. Okay, It will it will totter, fall, get up and slowly, slowly, slowly. The balance comes. It starts. Still you can trip and fall. But equity has come in. Now, you are doing what is right. Because equity has come in. So your default setting is now righteousness. You have the term righteousness. Ah, Default setting is righteousness. You see that? You see that in that question. Default setting is equity. Balance has come. Earlier it was iniquity. So your default setting was sin. What came in was sin. Now equity has come in. What comes in is righteousness. Basically what is righteousness? You want to do what is right Mm. with God and with man. You want to do what is right. Okay? Because your setting has changed. You want to do what is right in God's eyes. What is in right in God's eyes with my neighbor. So God says, the whole law and prophets was basically, you know what? Love God and love your neighbor. God. Okay? That is how it has come in. So therefore, when we tell a woman, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord, a man has to be very careful. Careful, because I told you, you know, I've told this a few times, like, uh, because we need to understand this. When I was in class six, I can still remember I was in class six in a place called Galafu in, in Bhutan, and I looked through the window and I saw my father's office was empty. So it was a free period. I was just 11 year old kid. 11, yeah, 11 year old killed. I walked to his office, sat in his chair and enjoyed myself. I didn't realize my father was teaching in another class and he saw me. When I came back home, I got the whooping of my life. Literally, he whooped me and usually I know what I'm getting whooped for because I would have done something. That day, I didn't know what I was getting whipped for. So after he finished, he said, why did you, why did you be crying? He said, why did you be? He said, because I saw you sitting in my chair. So I said, so what's the big deal about it? He said, it's not your father's chair. It's a principal's chair. It represents an office and he told me, I still remember, you haven't earned the right to sit on that chair. Okay? So you need to realize, when the woman is being asked to submit to the husband, the first thing the husband has to realize is that I have a chair. And the chair has been given by God. It's been given by chair. I have an office. When God is telling woman, submit your husband, he says he's a rever respect that office. Mm-hmm. It's an office. That office comes from me. You may think he's your husband. 
is your husband. You can call him honey, darling and all, but don't disrespect that office. And if you have noticed, if you and all the married men in their experience will know, the wife will call you honey, they will call you everything. But when you have a quarrel, she disrespects your office. Then there is no honey, there is no darling, there is nothing at all. When you have a disagreement, and let us say when sparks fly, you will always notice in any fight, the wife disrespects the office. She starts calling names or saying things or don't change, shouting, screaming. But the thing is that you're disrespecting an office. That is why First Peter chapter 3 verse 1, which the chapter which women don't like at all, but it's written by God. Only the woman of faith can receive it. Okay, and it's 7 is of course to men. Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. Okay, own husbands. Now, we wonder, we will go to, before we go over there, I will tell you, okay, you have to read. Okay, read, this is it. Okay, words, uh, words, uh, chapter 2, words, uh, 19 onwards. Okay, or 18 onwards. Okay, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. See, these principles, you should take it everywhere in a home. Let us begin with the home. That's the basic. Okay, your husband is a tyrant. It's a tyrant. But it is commendable, O wife, because of your conscience towards God, you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit it is it if when you are beaten for your your faults? Wife beating is a very common thing in every culture and European culture also. France has a high level of domestic violence. Okay. With all the laws, the women don't report because deep inside she still loves her husband and she doesn't want him to go to jail, so she takes it. So what if when you are beaten for your own faults? Okay, so we are looking in that context only, but we are talking about slaves and masters and everything. But let us look at that context. Okay, you take it patiently. When you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now, the paradigm. Who is the paradigm? Jesus Christ. Mm. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When they shouted at him, he didn't shout back. When they abused him, he didn't abuse back. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Mm-hmm. But committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, For you were like sheep going astray, now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your Souls. This is the last verse. And then okay. likewise. Now you go to 3 1. You have the paradigm of Jesus Christ. How he has shown. Likewise. Wife, likewise. So if you don't understand what is the likewise, so wife will say, How can I be? He says, You know what the paradigm is? It's Christ. You know what he went through? 
If somebody could actually shout back and scream back and fight back and threaten back, he could be. Because he was absolutely innocent. And he had the power too. You don't have the power he has. You have to get the power of the state behind you. But he had power. He didn't enforce any of these things. So wives, likewise be submissive to your own. So when this wherefore and likewise come, we need to read the previous chapter Mm. to know what is the comparison. And everywhere you will see the comparison is Christ. That is the paradigm. God doesn't have any other paradigm. He says, my son is the paradigm. You go through anything in life, my son has gone through it. Son has gone through it. He is the paradigm. That even if some do not obey the word, so you may have a believer, a husband, who doesn't uh, submit to the headship of Jesus Christ. Mm. He doesn't obey the word. They without a word. Maybe one by the conduct of their wife. He says, they will come through. You know what? There is, you need to realize, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And what we are reading and speaking is all part of the same gospel. So when a wife is submitting, reverencing her husband, who does not obey the word, she keeps her mouth shut and she's still respectful and she suffers wrongfully. I'm not asking for physical violent abuse. No, I'm not saying that. Take necessary help what I'm talking about. But she's quiet. She's quiet. She cares for him. She loves for him. Now, in her case, she suffers long and she's still kind. Mm. She takes care of her husband's all her needs and all she doesn't speak. You know, what happened? They may be won by the conduct of their wives. Why? Because they see, they and they're not aware what they are seeing in their homes is gospel in action. And remember, gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This is where faith comes. Mm. When we preach, if you if you if you if you actually look at the substance of the gospel, the actual substance of the gospel, the substance of see when they observe your chase conduct accompanied by fear. What is the substance of the I gospel? Suffer. Is First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, the first three verses. This is the gospel. Three verses. Okay, three verses. Okay, 15, the three words. This is the whole gospel. Three, third message. Okay. Moreover, brother, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And what did he preach? For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Two, he was buried. Three, he rose again on the third day, according to... This is the whole gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, when you are preaching this, you will see, how will anybody get saved if I preach this? If I were to tell people Christ died for your sin, he was buried and he rose on the third day, how can anybody get saved? But this is the power of the gospel. It is not in you. It is not in you. There is an inherent power in the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So when people hear this and people who actually start thinking about it, they will say, really, why did? how did Christ die for my sins? According to the scriptures, how did you die? They start searching the scriptures and they find out how Christ died for my sins. The second thing is that he is buried and that he rose on the third day. Everybody's fear is that if I die, I will never rise again. So the whole gospel is in this simplicity and it is. In the same way, the whole Bible is the gospel. So in the, when the woman actually believes by faith, God has said this and I will do it in my life. And when she does it, what happens is the husband gets saved. Why? Because she did it only. See, that's what I said. All these things you can only do by faith. You cannot do by sight. Because if you look by sight, you don't want to submit to him. And if you look by faith, you may not want to love her. But everything is by faith. 
that is why bible says in christ neither circumcision and uncircumcision mean mean meaning whether you are a gentile or a jew it doesn't matter in christ only one thing matters faith working through love so the demands of god from man and woman in the relationship is not the same if you study carefully to the man he is always told love your wife love your wife love your wife love your wife and this is the way you need to love your wife you know lay down your life for her because you know what she will make these demands the average woman will de- make demands upon man and on his time what is your life is equal to time she will say you don't spend time with me you never come home you don't sit with me you don't talk to me you don't hold my hand you don't get this for me that is all he says lay it down lay it down for her lay it down okay lay it down for her okay the man is not asking her hold my hand you didn't get this for me he says please honor me before the children before other people please honor me don't disrespect me don't disrespect me. honor me so everywhere the bible if you notice it's it's only in one place where wives are asked to love their husband but every place the wife is asked to honor rever their husband why why does god says that he says whether you accept it or not deep inside he knows he is the head he has a office don't disrespect his office don't respect this office and that is why this modern entire system is being manipulated by the enemy where everybody is calling each other by names and you do not have the right to call somebody by name who holds an office so, so you do not mm-hmm. no you do not have okay you do not have the right because you disrespect an office yes. you disrespect an office okay so you need to realize all these things are there in the system so we need to realize so the whole thing heroes over what i said but lot of women who are saved need to understand this is got this is got to do one aspect of salvation okay one aspect of salvation okay now you need to realize what does salvation actually do to you on a personal level you go to uh, romans chapter 14 Okay, Romans chapter fourteen, meaning you grow into this. Okay, but spiritual growth, you don't. It's fourteen and verse seventeen. Okay, fourteen seventeen is the paradigm. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Leave that aside. Okay, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay, so every question you need to ask is that: If I say this, if I do this, am I right with God? Am I right with man? Hmm. this is a simple question because what is righteousness righteousness comes out of equity mm. comes out equity and when you are walking in righteousness you know one you are right with god and right with man according to god mm. not according to man mm. the arbiter is not man the arbiter is god mm. you are right with god and right with man according to man Okay, like in the age in the age we lived and the old ages, all where wife swapping is very common. Okay, very common. So Potiphar, if Joseph says no, your your husband, my master, has kept every but everything under my hand except you. And tomorrow, Mrs. Potiphar comes and says, my husband says it is okay. Anyway, I'm old. I'm too busy. You want to have fun? Have it with that young boy. I don't care. Then she becomes the arbiter. Potiphar becomes the arbiter. That's why he brings God there. Mm. 
they bring God over there. So you need to realize in a secular system, like I was talking to somebody yesterday, this morning also, I said, you need to realize what the fall of man has done is that God is out of the picture. Man has come into the picture. So we call it in theory, in literature, we call it humanism. Humanism, okay. Humanism did not start with Locke or one of these uh, um, um, philosophers. It started in the Garden of Eden, where man is God. The center is man. Humanism, okay. Human is the center. Humanism, okay. So what we see is humanism all around. Humanism's offshoots are many. When in humanism, when the woman is in the center, it is feminism. Mm. Is feminism. When the community is in the center, it is communism. When social equity is in the center, it becomes socialism. But in all these isms, God is not there. Mm. God is not there. God is not there. So we need to realize so many believers who have believed for their salvation, their mind construct is humanism. Where man is at the center, if you are a man, so he expects a wife to do everything for him. Or if the woman has grown up in the modern system, she's a feminist, she's at the center fighting for her rights. Or if you are uh, brought up in the leftist ideology, the community is at the center. So that is what is happening in all the left states where all the rich are fleeing out of the left states because basically they want to take from the rich and give it to the poor and make an equitable society. Mm. That is basically what, see, everybody is trying for equity. If you notice, mm. it is equity. Mm. But the fallen man cannot bring equity because when his nature, nature is, is iniquity. Yeah, so is that is why in every system, when the fallen man has tried to bring equity, it okay. only happens with the death of billions and millions of people. Wow. So everybody you oppose, you have to destroy them. And ultimately, power is concentrated in the hands of a few people and there is no equity anymore. Mm -hmm. So you cannot have equity in this world until Christ comes. When Christ comes, equity will come. So what is the feminist saying? She is also fighting for equity. Balance, standing. Okay. What is human trying? He is also trying for equity. What is the communist thing? He is also trying for equity. What is the socialist trying? He is also trying for equity. But it is not going to, God says it is not possible because your nature is iniquity. So, so he says that is why people will say, why didn't Jesus preach against slavery? Why didn't he preach against? He says there is no point. Because as long man's nature is iniquity, it is no outward man cannot, there is no point in changing the outward man. So my first coming was to change him from inside. Make him equit. In my second coming, I'll bring equity into the whole society. In the second, because you know, you will have a set of people who still have iniquity inside, but they will be only ruled by people who have equity. So saints will rule. Absolute equity. Therefore, when they rule, sin will not be allowed to manifest at all. You will have an equitable system according to God. It is not that one will have less and another will have, all will have equal. No. Some will have less, some will have more because work ethics will be rewarded. That is why communism is is wrong, dead wrong because uh, take charge of 10 cities, take from that one from and give it to him, brought in 10. Why? Because work has to be rewarded. This all rewards in eternity. The kingdom of God is not a communist system. It's not a leftist ideology. Mm -hmm. Work has to be rewarded. 
Because if you don't, but when he rewards, it will be absolutely in righteousness. That is why you have these two parable of talents where one is given one, mm-hmm. another is given two, another is given five, mm-hmm. and the one where everyone is given one. So he will be absolutely fair. We will be judged only according to our our entire background our what was given to us everything that's that's why it will be absolutely equitable mm-hmm. judgment mm-hmm. otherwise a housemaid cannot become a queen in eternity amen it is not possible but she mm-hmm. will be a queen in eternity mm-hmm. because when he judges what was given to her and how she walked in faith and in law she will be a ruler in eternity because it is equity Okay, so this life is irrelevant. You don't have to grudge. I had very little. He had very. It's irrelevant. This is not how it is going to be in eternity. But how you live your life with what has been given will matter. Will matter. That is where it comes. So when you come to that question, you need to realize this is what happens. Our issue is not sin. Sin is a manifestation. It's a manifestation. Our issue is because you know, if you come to Romans six uh, fourteen. Uh, 614, if you're right, 614, 614, 614, yeah, 614, okay, you're no longer under law, but under law. okay, hmm. okay, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but yeah. under grace, yeah. okay, meaning, as long as you are under law, sin always have dominion over you, because mm. all you need to do is the law to close its eyes for five minutes, Okay, father goes out, mother goes out, sin the law goes out. out, sin automatically will manifest. Okay, manifest. Okay, it will manifest. Mm. Unless you have been trained under the law for a long <laughs> time, mm. then all you need is the law to be absent for a longer time. <laughs> Honestly, it's a longer time. Yes. Because you don't see the law, okay, slowly, for a long slowly, slowly. and slowly you will realize the sin nature will manifest. So some people will say, no, I am not, I don't. But the question is, the law is always there. It has never been absent for a long time. So sin will manifest. The law is only a restrainer. Mm. It doesn't take sin out. But now you are under grace. Mm. Under grace. Your nature has changed. You are not no longer born in sin, shaped in iniquity, but you are born in righteousness, born of truth, mm. born in righteousness, shaped in iniquity. Uh, iniquity. Iniquity. Okay, so what happens is your default setting has changed. So now what happens is when the temptations of sin is coming, grace enables you to put it under your feet. You are able to say no. You are able to say no, not like the old man. You are able to say no because your nature has changed. Yeah. Your nature has changed. So that is, you are, you are able to be humble because your nature has changed. You are able to submit because your nature has changed. And then you grow in, you will be meek, you will be lowly, you will be submissive. Now what is coming in, within your sphere of influence, even if it is just two people, you are bringing out the Kingdom of God, the righteousness of God, and the immediate manifestation is you have peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first manifestation of the kingdom is you have peace. Why do you have peace? It's internal. Why you have peace? Because there are no words within. Mm-hmm. Remember in James chapter three, yes, he says, "You yes, ask and you do not, because you have wars within." There's no war within. Mm-hmm. The husband may be shouting at you, but you have peace. Because it's no war within, because you are answering in a reverential tone, because you are under the authority of the word and the Lord, mm. the Lord's word. So you have peace within. He has no peace. And he keeps on shouting, keeps on shouting. You don't say anything. Even you speak, you speak reverentially, you speak uh, this thing. And after some time, he just shuts up. 
because he cannot shout unless he is drunk. If he's sober, he shouts up because he knows he cannot shout because you know what? The kingdom is in effect. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God operating over. He says, you know what? He, he, he just shuts up. He doesn't say anything. He just shuts up. Okay. He shuts up. That's what is being there. This is the kingdom of God. Okay. And the thing is that you have peace. And because you have peace with God, okay, you, you have peace with your husband. Your husband doesn't have peace with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm talking from a standpoint of how it would be for a woman or a child. These are the two weak vessels in a home. The child is a weak vessel. The woman is a weak vessel. Okay. So these are two weak vessels. So when you have peace with God, you have peace towards Him. Actually, what happens is honestly what happens. If you obey by faith what God asks you, what you will have for your husband is compassion. Mm. Okay, you will, God will give you that, that spirit, the strength to suffer long, but what you will feel towards Him is compassion. Compassion. That's why whenever Jesus looked at people, He had compassion mm. upon them. You will have compassion for your husband. You have compassion for your husband. You will feel sorry for it. Poor man. I wish he knew the Lord. Mm. I wish he knew the Lord. If only he knew the Lord, then he would also know what peace is. He would have a right standing. Because all this, why is he shouting? Why is he screaming? Why is he doing all this thing? Because he's unbalanced. Mm. Unbalanced. He doesn't have equity. Mm. He doesn't have equity. He doesn't have equity. Okay, because he's walking in iniquity and therefore sin is coming. He transgressing the law, all that thing. Mm-hmm. So God says, you know, but you have balance. Like I told Lord, my father said, I take two hands to clap. Okay, so God is saying, so all these demands mm-hmm. are only on born again believers. Mm-hmm. So if you're a non-born again believer who's listening to this, please understand there's no condemnation. <laughs> you have only one condemnation. That is a final condemnation. Mm-hmm. You are already under condemnation because you have not believed in God's only son. So for you, the only message is repent and get saved. And once you are saved, be balanced. Learn how to be balanced. Ask, Lord, teach me. Because now when you are hearing, reading, or whether it is Old Testament or New Testament, this is life. And like we are surrounded by a whole cloud of witnesses. So put away sin that easily entangles and the weight and run with endurance. You need endurance in relationships. You need endurance. Okay. But looking unto Jesus. Okay. He's the paradigm. Okay. Everywhere. Whether you are a husband, whether you are a wife, whether you are a father, whether you are a mother, everywhere you know the paradigm is Jesus. Because Jesus is the revelation of God to mankind. And therefore, okay, that's where you look at him. And that is that is where grace comes in. The power of God comes in. So that is the whole idea about it. But if you don't get it, you know what will happen. Will your marriage survive? Yes. Why? Because, just because of a covenant. Because of a covenant. Because a lot of people, uh, they, they talk uh, about covenant. And covenant is a very powerful thing. Why didn't our old generations, their marriages never fail? Even though they were miserable in their marriages, it never failed. Only answer, because of a covenant. They held to the covenant. And they held on to the covenant. They were miserable. But they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't leave. Now marriages break because the, there is no covenant. Nobody cares two heads of the covenant and the society cares two hoods about it. So marriage, divorce is easy. If the same system, the mindset of the society today was there hundred years ago, more marriages would have collapsed. Okay. So many marriages exist only because of wrong reasons. That's not the right reason. In the new covenant, marriage 
is that between Christ and the church. Why does why did Jesus lay down his life for the church? Because he loves her. Mm. Why does she submit to him in all things? Because she loves him. <coughs> she loves him. That's what Jesus is. After all this, if you don't love me, don't obey my commandments. No. I'm not asking you to obey my <laughs> commandments because I had plenty in the old covenant <laughs> who obeyed. Plenty of them. He says the whole thing is love, faith working through love. And he will, he says, he will say many things you will have to just obey by faith mm. because you won't understand. You won't understand that. See, if you understand, it is sight. When you don't understand, it is faith. So by, 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 by what God says in Hebrews, by faith we understand what is visible was created by the, we don't actually understand it by sight. I mean, Dr. Richard can explain as medical science as much as he want. We pretend we understand, but we don't understand. <laughs> he understands a lot of stuff because he is majored in that area. Okay? We don't understand a lot of things. So in the kingdom of God, we understand by faith. Why do we understand by faith? Why can I, because faith, I always tell this word, you know, when you try to make gospel simple, don't use the word faith, use the word trust. Then you understand faith. I'm saying don't use, use the word trust also. Then we understand faith better. Why can I trust God? The answer in the new covenant is because of Jesus. I can trust him. I can trust him. Okay, so I can, if you look at that one powerful verse is there in Romans 8. Okay, Romans 8. He who did not spare his own Romans. 33, 31, 32, 33. Yeah. 32, 32. Yeah, 32. Okay. Okay, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Yeah. Mm. Okay. That is, that's why I can trust him. Mm. Why can I trust God for my day-to-day needs? Didn't he give his own son for my sin? When I did not deserve it. And I didn't deserve mm. it. So can't I trust him? Mm. So, so, so like we say, with God is one thing. With man, I will tell you honestly, you cannot trust any man 100% yes. because I don't trust myself also. Because I, the simple thing is I know where I cannot trust myself. Yes. Yes. Okay? So when you say, wife says you don't trust me, you need to ask, where don't I trust you? Mm-hmm. Okay, which is true. I don't trust myself 100%. I don't trust my wife 100%. I don't trust my children 100%. I don't trust Pastor Vijay 100%. I don't trust anybody 100% because we cannot trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. In this fallen nature. When will I trust man 100%? In the next generation. In the next life. Because then I know we are outside the presence of sin. There is no temptation. There is no flesh. You can trust everybody 100%. Because they will not fail you. Now I can only trust God 100%. God can be trusted 100%. So when God says walk in faith. It means walk in faith with God. Not with man. But man, God says, just love him unconditionally. But don't trust him. Earn, let earn their trust. Yes. Let them earn his. You, you have to earn your trust. Okay, like if I were to expect, let us say, Sami. Sami is the Bakara today. Okay, if I were to Sami, we have Monday meeting. We have uh, uh, Friday meeting. Okay, Friday meeting. Can I trust Sami to come at 9 o'clock in the morning? No, he will come only at 9.25. But in that five minutes, he will do it all. But he gives me tension every day. Okay, because it's like trying try, trying to catch. You have these videos of Vande Bharat Express where people miss the train because the door closed. <laughs> you cannot run and get into that train. 
You see, everybody who ran and got into trains suddenly realized with Vande Bharat you cannot because the door closes. Okay. You cannot get out, you cannot get in after the door closes. Okay. So the thing is that, do I uh, trust Sami? Do I, everybody with riders. Hmm. It's a rider. Condition, person, subject. condition subject to certain conditions. What do you, when you talk about trust, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Okay, look, look, look. So you can trust one person for something because he has become consistent in that area. So you can say, unless it is an exigency, you can trust this person. Hmm. You can trust this person. Like some people in the church, you can say, you can trust them. They'll always come before time. Mm. Absolutely sure. So if something has to be done before time, who do you think the pastor will call? Yes. He will call that person. Why did you call me? You didn't call me. Honey, I know you can do things better. But the problem is this thing has to be done before yes. time and I cannot trust you in that matter. Mm. Okay. If this same thing ha- can be done anytime, I would probably call you because you do it better than this person. But this is a time specific, so I cannot trust you. So you need to understand mm-hmm. when we talk about faith, bring the word trust and it will start making sense. Mm-hmm. So you can love everybody with the love of God unconditionally, but you cannot trust. Mm-hmm. Cannot trust. Cannot trust. So when God is asking us to love, He says the life has to be like faith working through love. So when it comes to God, because of the cross, God says, You can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. The simple question is then, What can I trust God for? Answer, You can trust God only for what He has promised, not what you want. That's the problem. You cannot trust God for everything. You cannot trust for God what He hasn't promised. Mm. You cannot go- trust God for something He hasn't said. Mm. You cannot trust Him for that. Okay, you can because God is not a man that He should lie. He will not break His word. But did He say? So that is why the Bible is prophetic. Mm. So it didn't matter whether it took 1900 years when God said, Six hundred, like 2,500 years ago, through his prophet Jeremiah, I will gather my people back from all the ends of the earth. You could go to bank with it. They would come back. So it didn't matter hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and 2,500 years passed away. Nothing but the nation. And if you come to that one powerful verse in Isaiah 60... I see a sixty. Nation is born today. Yeah, yeah. Sixty-six. Sixty-six verse seven. Okay. Seven and verse eight. You only uh, when you only get eight, you will understand seven. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, Mm. or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, doesn't say Israel, doesn't say Jerusalem, says Zion. Because 2,500 years ago, God knew Israel will be born because of the Zionist movement. It is called the Zionist movement. Mm. It is not called the movement of Israel or Jerusalem. It is called the Zionist movement. In one day it was born and she gave birth to her children. So, this is this is one of the most incredible prophecies about it. it was born in one day when the gavel went on UN that by resolution was passed Israel was born mm-hmm. and Israel immediately went into war 
Immediately the nations attack. They have been living under threat of war for 75 years. So Israel is a supernatural picture, physical supernatural. In the same way, in the same way, if you let me look at it, okay? In the same way, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter finished preaching, 3,000 people received his word in one day the church was born. Mm. Who can think about something like that? That was another nation. Another nation called holy the Holy Nation. nation. Wow. One day, church was born. Mm. Before you knew, right in the middle of Israel, in the Jewish community, mm. there the church was born. So there are two supernatural things which God has done. One is Israel, the other is church. These are both supernatural. So all the prophecies connected with, the, with Israel will come to pass. You can go to the bank with it because God has spoken, it will come to pass. You can trust God. And everything that he has spoken about the church also will come to pass because he has spoken. That is where trust comes in. Therefore, if you go to Second Corinthians, we'll finish with that, right? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse uh, 15, 16, uh, 16, 17, 18. 16, 16. Yeah, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. So again, you asked us, why shouldn't we lose heart? Why shouldn't we lose heart? Because of what he has said. <coughs> if he is not true, then we will lose heart. What is the point of this life? What is the point of believing? All I go through is trials and testings and sufferings and beatings and all jailings and all for my faith. He says, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, the inward, something is happening inside. That is real. The kingdom of God is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. How does the kingdom of God get stronger? Because inside, your righteousness is growing. You are becoming right in more and more things. So incidentally, your peace increases. Mm. Because peace is directly connected to your righteousness. Because more you are right with God and with man according to God, your peace will increase. Mm. Your peace will increase. That is why Paul and Silas has got incredible peace after they are whipped and thrown into prison. Why do they have peace? Because they know what they did was right with God and with man. And they are able to sing because the joy of the Lord comes in there. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now think about it. How, how can it be light? How can it be for a moment? Because you know the one who promised is true. If you don't trust what God has told the church, in the twinkling of an eye, it will be over. Hmm. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. If all this God has spoken to the church, he has not spoken to the Jew. The Jew, when he dies, he is not with the Lord. The believer when he dies is with the Lord. So there are promises which are specific to the Jew and specific to the church. Mm. So because we trust him, because we trust him, because he will never break his word and he will always be faithful to what he has said, our life is different because that is where righteousness comes. It is a righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. So when I believe what God has said and act accordingly, what happens is there is a righteousness that is important mm. because what am I declaring? I am declaring God is true. Let every man be a liar. Okay, in Matthew uh, 5, when he says, no, when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Okay, now for doing what is right, that is how righteousness comes, when you are doing what is right, Paul and Silas are whipped, they are stripped, their legs are locked, and they are rejoicing. They are rejoicing. Okay, so that is a practical 
demonstration in these two men's life that God is right. Mm-hmm. That is how you demonstrate. Like this morning also to somebody, I said, no, no crying. No crying. If what you are going through is for what is right. I said, we are not all covenant people. Is it for right or wrong? It is for right. I said, then why are you crying? What is the response demanded from the believer when you are going through suffering for what is right? I said, I will not mollycoddle you. I will not mollycoddle you. Because if I mollycoddle you, the power of God cannot come into the situation. The gospel is the power of God. But if the gospel is lived out in every situation, you want the power of God to come, you rejoice. You rejoice. If you don't rejoice, what will happen? If you, if you don't, if you do exactly the opposite of what God is saying, if you start crying, you know what is going to come? The spirit of oppression will come because you open the door for the enemy. In the old covenant spirit, Bible says when the spirit of oppression comes, put on the garments of praise. Here, you don't even allow the spirit of oppression to come because you are walking clothes in the garment of praise. So everywhere, this is the outworking of the gospel. And every time you do it, you know what you're declaring? You're declaring God is right. And every man is a liar. God is right. God is right. God is right. God is right. You know what happens? You have peace. There is no war within. People may shout at you, people may scream at you, but you have peace. There is no conflict within. You are at peace with God. You are at peace with the men who beat you up. There is no war within. You are war within. You have no war within. Okay, and what happens? You have a supernatural joy that comes upon you. This is how we are called to live. And what are you proving? You're proving verse 8. Mm. Verse 18. Mm. Verse 18 is what you're proving. We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. How can you look at things which are not seen? Answer only by faith. Only by faith I can look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That is how you live by faith. Okay, so living by faith, so where did this faith come from? Faith came from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. <laughs> the word of Christ, that is where it comes. You live that out, you will realize, you know what? God is true. God is true. And you become a living gospel. You become a witness. That's what Jesus said. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit because what I am asking, you cannot do it it. on your own. Mm. Nobody, not even John the greatest could do it. Mm -hmm. You cannot do it. You need to be born of the Spirit and you need to be empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses. What is that witness? It is the life of Christ. It's the life of Christ. And this is where all these things come in. So all these words are important. Humility, meekness, loyalty, faith, love, submission. All these are only told to people. Okay. And you first you have to receive these further truths as we call it as, as, as a truth. You have to receive it. And then you have to receive the power to work it out. Lord, give me grace. So if you come to the last words for today, Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Verse 1 and 2, you can put again. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Remember, we have looked at this all different times. What do you actually do by faith? You access the power of God. First, you have to access the truth of God. This is the truth of God said. Okay, that is what I have to do. So you say, Lord, I'm going to do it. And I'm believing that you will give me the grace 
addicted to it. And then, but you have to do it first. Before you do it, the grace won't come. Because if you, grace comes and do it, it has become sight. Okay, grace comes and do it, it becomes sight. You have to do it and grace comes. So the rewards of Jordan is going to be cut off until the priests have put their foot in. Mm. Yes. Okay. You, the reverse will part. So what should I do? Oh, Joshua will come and take Moses' old rod. No. no. You, you, it's a new generation. New generation. Mm-hmm. A new generation shall walk because the old generation was under the law. Moses represented the law. So they needed Moses to keep them under restraint. That is over. New generation, second generation picture of the new covenant people. They are learning to walk with God. So they have to walk by faith. So when will the reverse part? When you put your feet out. So this is where people go wrong. When they have to live out their life by faith, they wait for the manifestation. God says it doesn't work. That is right. You step out by faith. Step out by faith and you will realize you have my husband is shouting at me. What are you going to do? I am going to keep my mouth shut and I will realize God will give me the grace to keep my mouth shut. You keep your mouth shut, the grace comes and you will realize, hey, it worked today. Second day, third day, you are now standing. After some time, your husband stopped shouting at you because you realize there's something wrong here. Earlier when I used to shout, she used to shout back and we used to have a nice fight. But now she's not, he's not, she's not reacting completely different and he starts calming down. He starts quieting. So, into very interpersonal relationships to parting the Red Sea, you have to bring, you have to bring faith in. That's the only way you are called to love. And Romans 14.23 says, Whatever is not of faith is sin. Meaning, whatever of faith is is not sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Then the question is asked is, then what is the produce of faith? It is righteousness. It is righteousness. Because righteous, it, something faith has to produce something. If sight produces sin, then faith produces righteousness. That is the way we walk. And that's, that's a powerful way. And in the process, when you fail, God doesn't condemn you. Amen. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for this. He fails. He says, says, come back to me. Confess. Confess. And again, you have to believe. Hmm. That's what two days back I was telling. What do you believe? Do you believe Christ? No. I said, wait a second. Okay. What does the word of God say in 1 John? If you confess, he is faithful. Okay. What are you Basing on your confession or his faithfulness. Because if you, if you, if you, the devil will try to put your faith on your confession because he will think I haven't confessed enough. My sorrow wasn't deep enough. My tears weren't enough. He says, no, that is not where you put in. You put your faith in his faithfulness. Because you need to Why? realize, ever you revert to yourself and not to him, you're doomed. That's it. Many of you are walking in condemnation because your faith is in you. And not in him. There's no assurance. There's no assurance. Mm. It's the minute you revert back to you, there's no assurance. Mm. Because you never know how much you have to repent. How much I have to cry. Because you will take a one inch. I said, everybody will take Psalm 51. I said, what is Psalm 51? A man took another man's wife. He committed adultery. He lied. He cheated. He called. He caused his death. And then he was very casual about it. And therefore, he is broken. What have you done to be broken? You sold that lie to my father. Oh, I am so, I am not breaking. Like I said, hey, come on, you're getting your pictures all wrong. You're getting your pictures wrong. What? So I asked the man, give me a list of what you did. Did you lie to your parents? No. Did you go to your institution? Yes. Did you work? Yes. Did you do all the... So, what is your problem? What is your problem? 
Why are you walking under condemnation? What is your problem? Because for you, your standard is not Christ. It is you. Mm. How could I do this? It is you are the standard. Mm. But what did Christ say? Christ said, no, if you confess, he is faithful. The blood of Jesus cleanses you fall. You are doubting Christ's work. You are doubting the blood of Jesus. You are doubting his word. He says, of course you will walk under pressure. You don't doubt. You believe what he has said. So John will say in the next chapter, little children, I write to you that you do not sin. But in case you sin, remember, you have an advocate or a prosecutor. Because that makes it easy to walk by faith. Because you know what? Your default setting has changed. Your default setting is righteousness. It's equity. It is equity. It is not inequity. That is the difference. So all the sisters who wrote from different parts of the world, please understand, many of you got saved after you became much older, after years of marriage. So your old setting was to fight, to sulk and all do that. But change that. That doesn't matter. Change that. The thing is that you're not looking at your husband. Hmm. You're looking at your crown. Man. You're not looking. Your, your eternity crown is not going to be given by your husband. Husband is temporary. He's okay. This is a temporal <laughs> husband. Even the, any pastor, priest, anybody says until death's apart. So death is the, Jesus said you are not given in marriage over there. But eternity is coming. Eternity is forever ever. So even if you are in the most terrible situation where your husband doesn't physically abuse you, but he's unkind and he's uncouth and he doesn't care anything at all, remember, in terms of eternity, this affliction light. is light. light. It's momentary. He's not going to mm-hmm. keep you married to him in eternity. You are free. You are free. You are free. You are free from him. Okay? At this much, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, compare it with eternity. I am not talking about physical and terrible emotional abuse and all. No, I'm not talking about scenario. that. Okay, I'm not talking. That was a scenario where you have to take counsel and help and all. I'm talking about normal. These things, you know, where Bible says this is the power of the gospel. Mm. That's where you get it. And that is where I congratulated Josh on this because like I said, actually somebody puts on there this thing which is very scriptural. It's very scriptural. Now what she stood and what she does is between the two of them. It's none of my business to ask. But at least you got your first step right. Got your first step right. I mean, I'm not saying this today now hearing that all the wives should change their husbands <laughs> and put it as Lord and all. And if you do it, there is nothing wrong in it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong in it. Mm. Nothing in it. <laughs> no, Sammy has also joined the batch for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sammy also in the batch. There's nothing wrong in it. Okay? But let, let me, t- again, as we close, let me tell you. When you talk about Lordship, it is authority. Yeah, and man. with authority comes responsibility. <laughs> Please understand, when God gives authority, it demands responsibility. The buck stops at you. If you believe you are the head of the house, the buck stops at you, not with your wife. So God will come and ask you, what did you do? Did you do? He didn't do. She did. Okay? But he said, did you do what I told you not to do? Okay, so he So that is where it becomes easy. If a woman is submitted to God, it becomes easy for man to discharge his responsibilities. Mm. Understand that. A man has to discharge his responsibilities. God-given, if a believing man, he has to discharge God-given responsibilities for that. He has given a helpmate. 
she's a helpmate she's not the mate he's the mate she's the helpmate her job is to help him to discharge <laughs> his responsibilities mm. but she shouldn't become a stumbling block so many helpmates are checkmates <laughs> okay but that's not what you are supposed to be that's why i say you know even today i was counseling a young man who's thinking about getting married and all said no go through this whole process of what is a man what does god demand from a man you need to have pictures paradigms very very clear and then if you're planning to marry see that the girl also has that same picture in her mind this is what a woman is supposed to be the problem is these pictures aren't there people get married the conflict begins and people do and not you don't have a way to actually address it because you're not prepared, you're prepared you know? no because people mm. don't realize even the man is the a humanist he's a believe is mm-hmm. saved but he's a humanist and she's a feminist and the children are communist <laughs> ஒருத்தியாரோ <laughs> 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 Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that even in all the things that you speak to us, O Lord, we know, Father, your intention is to prosper us eternally. You said through your servant, Jeremiah, I have, a, I have plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future and a desired end. And your desire is that we should spend our life eternally with you. And this is life eternal, your word says. is to know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent and therefore i pray lord even through all the answers that we have heard and we have received lord enable us not to get offended but to look to, to keep our eyes fixed on jesus who for the joy that was set before him endured the shame of the cross and that joy was as a lot and therefore i pray lord that we will keep this in mind that we will one day see you face to face and with that ambition that goal that vision lord we will take everything else in our lives with that in our hearts oh lord in our minds oh lord grant us grace to that and we pray thank you once again for this forum that you have given to us and where we can speak out openly and discuss our issues practical issues oh lord and have spiritual divine answers from your from your word thank you once again for this time i pray lord jesus it will bear fruit in our lives even a hundredfold for it falls that it would fall on good and honest soil thank you we praise you we worship you we give you glory for in jesus mighty name we pray amen, amen.